you may not have heard that last remark. Sister Gladell said, and bless the nursery. Guess who's got nursery today? <laughs> Blessed be his name. Turn again, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. Thank the Lord for his word. His word is life. His word is light. We need to avail ourselves of his word. Not only individually, but corporately. There's something about gathering together in his name and for his glory. Hallelujah. Let me just... uh, begin by it's been a while so let's just uh, start in verse 1 let me read down to our text in 14 and 15 wherefore seeing also we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us Too many times we allow situations to weigh us down so we can't run. We all, you know, we all think about, uh, you know, sins and say, oh yeah, we can see why they do it, but we can allow situations to raise unbelief which weighs us down. See, Brother Jeff's testimony, we, he could have been done the flip of that and started worrying about everything because of family history. But he chose to trust in the one that could do something about it. Well, let me ask you a question. How many... Has worry ever changed the situation? You're worrying about it. Has it ever changed your situation? What has it done? Made the situation bigger, more fearful, more overwhelming? Well, is that true? Is it an amen or an oh me someplace? Well, Bobby, I'm a little loud. I'm ringing. And so... We need to realize, no matter what we're going through, the optimum word is through. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He is, in fact, bringing us through it for our good always. And I understand when we go through situations, we find it hard to find out what's going to be good about it. I understand that. But don't let it weigh you down so you stop your race with the Lord. Let's continue. And here's the reason why. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the perfecter of our faith, for for the joy that he set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand <clears throat> of the throne of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sin, of sinners, against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds, in your souls. Ye have not resisted unto blood, serve or striving or struggling against sin. We have, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as the children or sons. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked by, of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens or he disciplines. How many mothers and fathers discipline your children because you hate them? Mm, not a single hand. Why do you discipline them? We want to correct and change the direction. Teach them a way of the Lord more perfectly. Well, thank you, Lord God. Lord loveth, uh, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you with sons. For what son <clears throat> is whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you are without chastening, wherefore are you a partaker then? Uh, you, are, uh, you are all partakers then, you are bastards and not sons, Ill illegitimate children, not having relationship <clears throat> with the Father. That's the problem. Too many people don't have a relationship with the Father. Oh, see, there's a difference for saying, yes, he, he's my, you know, he's my Savior, and he saved me from my sins, and then leaving at that. You are saved unto something. Not just to be a, a notch on the Lord Jesus' cross of saying, oh, another, another sinner has come to God. Thank you. But the reality is that he's desiring a relationship with you. See, that's one of the major problems in this country right now is we have a lot of men that have implanted seed in women and but are never fathers. We see a whole generation out here that have no relationship with the father. They've been abandoned. They have been left on their own. There's no male role in, uh, in their, their hearts or in their lives. They're left to fend for themselves. I praise God for the mothers, but every child needs a father. That's kind of the way, the last time I checked, that's the way the Lord designed it. Because, bless your hearts, the ladies, 
I love the mothers and I appreciate the mothers, but there's, some, there's an impartation of the father that the mother cannot give. One of those things is showing the, the, the sons how to honor and revere their mothers, their wives. Now, I got to get off of this. I'm going to spend the whole time here. <clears throat> Blessed be his name. If you do run chase and God dealeth with you as sons, Oh, no, excuse me, drop down verse 9. Furthermore, we have, have fathers of our flesh which cor uh, corrected us and gave, us, uh, gave them reverence and shall not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live. For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasures. But, uh, but he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. The Lord chastens us to conform us to his image. He's not doing it because he has, doesn't, some, doesn't have anything else to do. Well, he's got a purpose. Every chastening, every discipline has a purpose. To reveal the very presence and the in the glory of the Lord in our lives. Well, let's continue. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that which are exercised or um, strengthened by it. See, when we think of chastening, when in our natural minds, it's, well, chastening or discipline is because you have done something wrong. We think, well, it's because I sinned, I'm getting chastened for it. No, it, God is training us. I was uh, helping, well, I was, uh, Micah had come over, and I was out weeding my planted areas, my house. That's one thing they don't do at the condo is weed for you. <sighs> How inconsiderate of them to do, not weed for me. So I was out pulling weeds. And so Micah came along and said, let me help. And so he, uh, I had this little claw thing I would rip it out with and said, let me use that. And he's not ripping things out and so forth just because he watched me do it. And I told him, you know, these are weeds. They are not flowers and so forth, and they need to be pulled out. So what was I doing? I was training him. I was disciplining him to know what to do. Our Heavenly Father does the same thing. He says, let me show you a way, my way more perfectly. You're walking in it, but let me fine-tune it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He wants to fine-tune us. Let's continue. Um, verse 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down, and the, and the feeble... Uh, hang down and the, the feeble knees, and make straight the, the paths of your feet, 
lest which is, that which is lame be, be turned out of the way, that it not rather be healed. God's whole purpose for us is that we bring healing not only in our own lives, but in others. Well, we're always looking for God to bring healing in us. Well, what about what he said to Abraham? In blessing, I will bless thee. Are you bringing healing in somebody else's life? If you bring, help to bring healing, show them the way of the Lord, bring healing in their lives, what do you think the Lord is going to do in your life? Bring healing. We keep on asking and asking and asking. He says, go do what I told you to do. Go do what I've already placed within you. Bring healing to someone else. You are somebody's priest. Be a priest. Bring, bring a healing word. Then I'll take care of you. Because I already know what you need. Well, blessed be his name. Verse 14 and 15. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one can see the Lord. Let's not go over that too quickly. Pursue peace with all people. Do you have a list of people that you're peaceful with and a, a list of people that you're at war with? Well, I'm not at war with anybody. I just don't go around them anymore. Why don't you go around them? Well, I'm uncomfortable around them. Is it something in you or something in them and besides that aren't you salt and light if they're walking in darkness where are they going to get light you may be the only source of light that they have well supposed to be hallelujah there someplace Well, pursue peace. Follow hard after peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Unless we practice peace, unless we practice holiness, we will not see him. But God tells us that we will see him because we will be like him. There's the prerequisite. In order to see him, we must be like him. Looking carefully, let us, let everyone, uh, lets anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest the root of bitterness spring up, cause, uh, springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. I like the way the Amplified says this. It says, see that no one falls back from, from and fails to secure God's grace. Let us not fall short of the grace of God. Let us not, let no one fail, uh, fall back or from and fail to secure. God's grace is something you lay hold of. It's something that you must grasp 
not something we must pursue. Can you understand that? All that we get from the Lord, we must pursue it first and lay hold of it. It's available to us, but we have to go and lay hold of it. Well, let's continue. Brother Jeff uh, gave me a book and said, I think this is a good book. You need this. No. Um, it's called The Bait of Satan. And the bait of Satan is the root of bitterness. He states in his book, and it says, bitterness is a root. If a root... If roots are nursed, watered, protected, fed, and given attention, they will increase in depth and strength. If not dealt with quickly, roots are hard to pull up. Ever tried? One of the things when I weed, it aggravates me. I pull out a weed, and I know it's got a root this long, and it comes out with a root this long. Because what that means is, oh, in another week, I'll see the same weed back. Well, so the longer you allow the seed of bitterness to flourish in your life, the harder it is to get it out. You won't get it out all the way. Well, I've prayed for this and I've prayed for that. And, but when I think of that person or think of this situation or whatever it is, what emotion arises in you. See, the problem is we don't deal with something immediately and get it handled quickly. The mere thought of the situation brings back every emotion, every, you, get, you go directly back to where that happened and you're held captive to that situation. You are. Is there anybody, if I, you know, all of us have had situations where people have offended us or whatever, and the offense that we received from them was unfair, and we were rightfully offended, if I can say it that way, but what did you do with that? If I would say their name, what emotion would come up? What would you think of them? Do you immediately go back to not who you see, but what they did? Well, if you go right back to what they did, not accepting them as they are now, but looking back, well, they never have asked forgiveness. That's their problem, not yours. They will answer for that. Because I know a righteous judge that will take care of that. Your problem is that you need to forgive them and release them. And as long as you have not released them, every time you think of them, you'll be thrown right back where that situation was. You're held captive by them. You're not free because of that. 
whatever that was. Because you have not allowed the water of the word to cleanse you, have not allowed the spirit of God to work repentance in your life so you continue. And let me, please hear me. This is a process. Okay? So when that root week comes up again, again I remember I, I have this little fork thing that sticks down way down deep. I just shove the thing down as far as I can and start pulling it up. And you know what? I come up with the whole weed. And the root, long root and all. I've seen dandelions that have roots that long. I said, come on. Anyway, but that's how, that's how evilness works. Evilness, bitterness have deep roots. And it takes the surgery of the Lord to root them out. Well, let's continue. We all therefore <coughs> we are therefore exhorted not to let the sun go down on our wrath. Ephesians four twenty six. Now instead the fruit of righteousness being produced now instead of the fruit of righteousness being produced, we see the harvest of anger, resentment, jealousy, hatred, strife, <coughs> discord. Jesus calls these fruits evil. You ever think of the fact that <clears throat> because of not releasing that, you're producing evil fruit, which is not acceptable to him? And every, even your so-called good fruit is bruised and spotted because of the root that's nourishing it. Boy, I got quiet here. And please hear me. I have a, one reason and one reason only to bring this up, to bring this release in our lives. Because unless we realize the depth and the seriousness of our revenge that we're holding, that revenge will keep us from seeing him. Well, how many want to see the Lord Jesus Christ? Then let go of your revenge. Because you can't hold revenge and hold on to him at the same time. You either love one or hate the other. Let's continue here. And I'm going to go back and it says, and so the fruit of righteousness being produced, we, we see the harvest of resentment, jealousy, hatred, strife, and Jesus calls it evil fruit. Just turn quickly to um, Matthew chapter 7. was sitting next to you and he, he pulled out a bookmarker and I said, I wonder what that was to. Matthew 7. 
anyway. Listen to uh, Matthew 7, um, looking at verses, starting looking at verse 18. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. What kind of fruits are your life producing? What kind of fruit is your life producing? Well, blessed be his name. Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the meek, the gentleness of spirit, the humble, mild, free from retaliation, for they shall inherit the earth. The ministry of Jesus Christ is the ministry that's without retaliation. Do you want to be conformed to his image? Then don't have any retaliation. Well, that gentleness of spirit, being humble and mild, bring forth the freedom from retaliation. Francis Vanderpan said, bitterness has been defined as unfulfilled revenge. When God brought Israel out of Egypt, he immediately dealt with the result of Egypt. When he looked, in, uh, when we look into a calm pool of water, we see, we see our reflections. God brought Israel to the pool of Marah to reveal to them what they were and what they had become. For 400 years, they had under, been under bitter labor. And for 400 years, that bitter labor, labor caused them to become bitter. Well, let's look at this. Um, well, first off, I said, your reflection is who you are. When God was ready to reflect himself, he said, in Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. We're created to be made like our creator. All the love, the compassion, the desire that is in him is to be in us. Well, bless you, Lord. Let's continue. Let's look at Genesis chapter 15. This is the incident we just talked about. Starting at verse 22, Exodus 15:22. And Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. How long did God wait to deal with their nature? Three days. He didn't let it fester. He wanted to show them what they had become. He immediately 
dealt with what, had, what the time in Egypt had produced, bitterness. And when they had come to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara, for it was bitter. Therefore the name was called Mara. And the people murmured against God, against Moses, excuse me, saying, What shall we drink? And he, Moses, cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, a timber, a, a, a stick, which when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet, and there he, he made them from a statute of an ordinance and, and proved them. He tried them. He tested them. God tests us and proves us to show us his glory. And not because he's trying to punish us. He wants us to see a new facet of himself. Jeff went through a situation and he found out how much bigger God was than he had considered. He says, one thing to hear God moving in somebody else's life, but when it becomes personal when God comes and thinks enough of us to work in our lives. We rejoice with him, but if have to be careful, so, well, Lord, what about me? If you help Jeff, certainly you can help me. That was supposed to be funny, people. <laughs> I know you're thinking hard. But seriously, he's no respecter of persons. His purpose for you is to bring you to himself. And whatever it takes to bring you to him, to bring you to that, to being that, uh, those who overcome. See, we can't overcome anything if, uh, and become an overcomer if there's nothing to overcome. Jeff overcame some fear, overcame some family history. Bobby, a few weeks ago, overcame some family history himself when the Lord touched him. Family history was heart problems. God said, what heart problem? Well, you're a new creation in Christ. That's not part of you. I don't care what your family history is. You have a new family history. You have a new father, a new, fa a new family tree, new family line called Christ and in Christ there's no inability well bless you Lord for 400 years of slavery in Egypt had caused Israel to become very bitter so the Lord showed them their condition by bringing them to Mara but he also showed them the resolution of that you heard me say this so many times before. He took that tree, he took that branch, that that uh, 
word is timber also, and threw it in the bitterness of their situation, the bitterness of that water, and changed them to sweet. Foreshadowing what the Lord Jesus Christ was going to do on a tree, on a cross, to change the bitterness of our life, the sinfulness of our life, into that which was sweet. The only true solution for bitterness in our life is the cross of Jesus Christ. Take that bitterness, if you will, take that bitterness, even if you have to write it down and go nail it to his cross. Well, he's already taken care of it on his cross. We just have to recognize the fact that he's done so. Let's continue. This, Brother Steve Everett used this illustration. He says, this is so powerful, such a powerful il illustration uh, how the Lord works in our lives. When Jesus threw in the bitter water the a human experience and humanity was healed, he threw himself in, he threw the, the cross in, into our life and he healed the human existence. We just have to recognize it. He changed history. He changed the history of man and mankind that was bound for hell. He threw a cross in our bitterness and changed everything. Changed everything. All of our bitterness could become sweet by his cross. Thank you, Lord God. Because of the, the necessity of our bitter existence as a human race, the Lord Jesus had to come as in seed form and be planted in the womb of a 16-year-old girl named Mary. And the Word became flesh. And that flesh man I don't know how to explain this, but all the greatness and the glory that he laid aside and became a frail human being, subject to everything that we are, hunger, headaches, whatever, temptation, that the Word of God says, tempted in all manners, yet, yet, yet without sin. What he showed us is what he wanted to do and wants to create in the earth, a human race that is yet without sin. Amen, anybody? Well, it's by his grace, by his ability, not by ours, but the opportunity is to every person that's drawing breath. Well, because he has no favorites or winners or losers. It's all to whomsoever will enter in. 
whomsoever. That lets open up for everyone. This isn't reserved for such a, the, the select elect. It's to whosoever will come. Whosoever. That means all of us. And all of those that have yet to come. Blessed be his name. Because that root of bitterness defiles many. And this morning I was thinking about that, and the Lord dropped my, uh, in my heart to look at the book of Ruth. You know the, you know the story. Naomi went to Moab when there was a, a, um, a drought and no food and so forth. They went and sojourned in, uh, in Moab. Her husband and her t- two sons. While in Moab, her husband dies and her two sons die and she has two daughter-in-laws. And again, the Jewish custom is that have Naomi said, you know, if I would have a child tonight, have a son tonight, would you wait until he was full grown to have a husband? One daughter-in-law left, but there was this young woman named Ruth that says, where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Listen to this. This is a Moabitess who was an idolater. And she, let's fast forward down to end of the chapter, verse of chapter one. Um, said, um, so the two of them came to Bethlehem. That was their hometown. And it came to pass when, uh, when they were come to Bethlehem, all the city was moved and was uh, brought to excitement about them. And they said, it is Naomi. Naomi means pleasant one. And she said, call me not Naomi. They call me Mara. Don't call me pleasant one. Call me bitter. The situation, she lost her husband, lost her sons. All her heritage was gone. She had a right to be a little disturbed. She had been, <clears throat> I could see where she could think, well, the Lord has dealt, and she said it herself, the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. But listen, let us read some more. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And I went out full, and the Lord brought me home empty. And why did you call me Naomi, seeing the Lord have testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? The problem was, in all her, her affliction, all her 
what had been, she went out empty, a full and came back empty, but she wasn't really empty because she had Ruth. Oh, you'll get this sooner or later. Ruth the Moabitess. Ruth the heathen. Cleave to her. And it said later in the book, it said, Ruth has been better than seven sons to you. Ruth loved her unconditionally. Where you go, I'll go. Where you die, I will die. And your God will become my God. But the bitterness of her life and her situation, what she had gone through, absolutely blinded her to the treasure she had in Ruth. Let us be careful. Because that was, that's what bitterness does. It blinds us to the blessings of God because all we, we are consumed with what happened. Instead of being consumed with what is happening. Can you understand the difference? We can either be caught back here and dwell and mull over and let the rooted bitterness become deeper and deeper or we can come and let the Lord the Lord see the Lord brought unless she had gone to Moab she would have never had a Ruth can you understand that? Joseph said, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Just think of all, the thing, all, all through the scriptures where the natural situation seemed to be evil, but God in the midst of it brought something wonderful out of it. That's the nature of God. Don't allow our past to blind us to what our present and future will be. It's our choice. It's our choice. And you know, again, you know the story. Ruth just so happens to go out into a field of a guy named Boaz. She doesn't know Boaz from George Washington. Okay? She just goes out there doesn't know whose field it belongs, it belongs to. She just goes out there and says she's going to glean. It just so happened the Lord sent her. She just happened to go. See who the Lord loves? Can I say it this way? I'm calling a new phrase. To who the Lord loves, he happens. Can you understand that? He happens. Just, he happened to bring you to a wonderful situation. He happened to bring to you a place of joy. He happened to bring to you a place of healing. Ruth didn't really know who her God was. 
at this point because all she had seen, all the evidence she had seen was out of Naomi who was bitter. Can you understand what I'm saying? But God, in spite of Naomi's bitterness, he brought that which was a treasure to her. Long story short, Boaz marries Ruth. Ruth gives birth to a son, and that son gives birth to another son named Jesse, who gives birth to another son named David. who was King David, who was in the seed line of Jesus Christ. From bitterness to the seed line of the Savior. Only God will do something like that. And by the way, he said the Moabites were not to come into sanctuary for ten generations. But God, willing to show his grace, willing to show his unmerited favor, put a Moabitess, an idolater, into the seed line of the Savior. What are you... What are you making God withhold from you because of your bitterness? Naomi had recognized. He said, I went to Boaz. I went to Boaz. There's this guy named Boaz. I don't know who he is. They said, oh, he's a close relative. Stick with him. See, she didn't recognize the treasure she had. But God had to reemphasize it and make it, oh, she just happened to go and be in Boaz's field. I think God may be working here. Since said, stick to him. There was another guy that was closer, but Boaz stuck with her. The rest is history. But don't allow your past to overshadow what God is doing now. Because his purpose is to bless you. His purpose is to give you his nature, his desire, his healing, his great worth that he places upon you. Let's continue here. In John 7, 38 says, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What kind of water is flowing out of you? Is it waters of the Holy Spirit? See, whatever of the abundance of our heart our mouth speaks, that's the river that flows out of us. Our mouth. We either speak life or death. Life and death are in the power of the what? The tongue. Out of the abundance of our heart, whatever we put into our hearts, 
we will express. Well, if you're putting into your heart, you know, all the junk that's on social media, what will come out of you? Junk. How many have gotten a new, new vocabulary because of social media? I don't know what half of this stuff means. I really don't want to know what half of this means because I'm sure more than half of it isn't something I wanted to say. Well, you got all these little hashtags and oh Lord Jesus help us. But out of the abundance of our heart what is your heart what fills your heart abundance your mouth will speak amen brother Chuck thank you what does your heart speak what does your mouth speak see too often our mouth does in fact reveal our heart in fact all the time it does. You know, when, when people find out that I'm a pastor, which I don't really tell them that often, because they automatically become <gasps> tense around me and begin to, or they'll, you know, if I hang around doing something together and so forth and then something slips out that they don't want a pastor to hear they'll say oh excuse my language well your language is coming from a heart that's full of that language well instead of being full of adoration and worship Whatever you fill your heart with, that's what you will express. That's how you will live. Luke uh, 6.45 says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of your heart your mouth speaks. In Matthew uh, 6, under the Weymouth translation, it says, For you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive others their offenses, neither will your Father forgive you, forgive yours. As you forgive others, he will forgive you. I don't know about you. If there wasn't any other reference in the Word of God, I'd want to forgive everybody of everything. Because sure enough, if I wouldn't forgive somebody of something, I might need God to forgive me of something. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ever had needed to have God forgive you of something? Well, what if your forgiveness depended upon your forgiveness of someone else? Because it does. That's what the Word of God says. It's not Chuck saying that. That's the Word of God saying that. Well, you don't know. Well, believe it or not, I've had a few things of adversity through my life. And I've had to forgive people. And sometimes I didn't feel like they deserved to be forgiven. But I knew I had to in order to continue with God. Because my growth with God stops at my unforgiveness. Well, bless our hearts, sometimes our growth with God has stopped 10 and 15, 20 years ago. We wonder why we can't, you know, we feel the Spirit moving and hallelujah, good, and we leave and there's nothing there. Why? Because there's something over there that needs to be dealt with. And until you deal with it, you're not coming here with him. Well, let's continue. The way we forgive, release, and restore another person is the way that we will be forgiven. We have all had, opportun have had opportunity to have been truly offended. And please hear me, I'm not belittling the offense. All of us have gone through, and some to a much greater extent, some terrible, terrible things. But I have a word of the Lord for you. That terrible thing that happened to you, don't let it define you. Because that's not the way that God defines you. But as long as you stay stuck at that place, that will define you. That's who you become and who you are. And that's not who God designed you to be. It's your choice. We've all had opportunity to be truly offended. But did it produce righteousness in our life, in our spirit, or death? See, we can be physically alive and spiritually dead. We can even feel the Holy, a little <clears throat> ripple and goosebumps of the Holy Spirit during worship. But that's it. We, we get out of the... Out of the atmosphere and we have nothing. Lord, help us. Please, Lord, help us. Blessed be his name. And a couple more verses and we're done. In 2 Kings 17, uh, 33, the king of Assyria had come 
and captured Samaria, which was the capital of Israel. At this point, Israel and Judah were divided. And they had come and taken away all the people from Samaria and brought in foreigners to inhabit Samaria. Well, the problem was that the Lord raised up lions that made lunch out of the foreigners. And they complained to the king of Assyria, the king of Babylon, and said, we don't know what the God of you know, this area is like. We need to be taught. So he sent them priests to teach them the ways of the Lord. And it's a very sad note here on verse 33 it says in the New Living Translation and though they worship the Lord they continue to follow their own gods according to the religious customs and the nations from which they came or can I put it this way though we worship the Lord and continue to follow they continue to follow uh, our own gods according to the custom and denominations we came from. Well, verse 41 says, So while these new residents worship the Lord, they also worship their idols. And to this day, their descendants do the same. That terrifies me every time I read that. What we worship, what we honor, our children will worship and honor. The way we handle things is the way our children, our inheritance, our descendants will handle them unless the Lord intervenes. But we, our actions, our way of doing things becomes our children's default setting. Can you understand that? But while they honored the Lord, there were still things in their lives that they also worshipped. David said, Search me, O God. Examine my thoughts. Penetrate me. O God, and know my heart. Test or prove me and know my anxious or dis, uh, disquieting thoughts. Point out in me uh, that which offends is grievous to you and lead me to the path everlasting. We have the opportunity to allow the Lord to penetrate us. I know my own heart. I, know, I think I know most of your hearts. You want to do what's right before the Lord. We want God to search us. There can be things in our lives we don't realize that we're holding up as a idol before God. 
You know, I love you, Lord, but, you know, I'm really fond of you, Lord, and I, I worship you, but there's this thing over here I really like doing. And will that thing, in fact, could that interfere with you coming to the house of the Lord? Better put a check there. And I'm not trying to put guilt on people, but all I'm saying is we need to have the Lord give permission to the Lord to search us and see if there be any wicked way in us. Unrighteous way. And just lead us in the paths everlasting. I don't know about you, but I'd like to ask the Lord to search me. I certainly don't want there to be anything between myself and my Savior. I don't want anything to be overshadowing. See, because that's what bitterness and bitterness is darkness. And while we have light within us, the bitterness will overshadow and diminish the light. And our light becomes darkness. Father, we just ask truly you come this day. Lord, we've been very serious today, but we also know that you've been very serious with us all. And Lord, we ask truly you come. And every heart, my God, that is, is serious with you, every heart, my God, that desires, Lord, yes, Lord, I want you to prove me. I want you to search me. Is there any wicked, is there any unpleasing? Is there anything, my God, I'm holding in greater or even equal value with you? For your word says you have, can have no other God before me. Lord, forgive us where we have allow things and desires to be greater than you are. Come, my God, and convict and convince us, my Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I know this, this congregation, I know that their hearts are towards you. But also, Lord, I know that the world is trying to displace you. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Search us, O Holy One. See if there be within us, my God, anything that's displeasing to you. Anything, my God, that we were holding in the past and that is uh, created within us, my God, a, a bitterness or anything, that, my God, that has impeded our progress with you. Come, O Holy Spirit, and bring conviction, bring repentance, bring freedom, and let your name be glorified. For, Lord, you are the only one that is worth worshiping and glorifying and honoring. And, Lord, help us not to hold on to these things. Release the people, release the situation into your hands, and bring cleansing and bringing Bring peace to us, my God. 
We thank you, Holy One, for your greatness. We thank you, my God, that you loved us enough to throw yourself into our situation, to cast yourself into us, my God, that we might lay hold of you. Bless this precious people. Seal this word to our hearts, my God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Can you say amen?